pursuing relationship on purpose. One of the things that our father wants is us become one. I want to do what pleases my father. We don't have to be instantly mature in everything to be loved. You got the love of God, you got the holiness of God. You got to marry the two because that's who and what God is. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Welcome to the Encounter Culture Podcast, where we pursue relationship on purpose. I'm Josh Coat, your host, and I'm so glad to be here in the studio with you today. Got a great show for you. It's going to be a post-Christmas miracle because <laughs> a couple months ago, Dr. John T. Cahill was here doing some sessions at Joplin Family Worship Center. I was able to sit down with him in between a few of those sessions and talk to him one-on-one and hear his heart about relationships. And boy, does he have a wonderful biblical perspective on relationship and the method to which we should steward that relationship. So uh, Dr. Cahill, if you've ever heard him before, is a lightning bolt of information. So this is one you'll probably have to play back over and over again. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time with the intro here because there's a lot of information to take in. So when I come back, Dr. John T. Cahill will be with me. Stick around. I am son of heaven. I am the apple of God's eye. I am strong and I am powerful. God planned me before the foundations of the world. He spoke me into existence. God started my story and He will finish it. I was created with heaven's destiny. I was made to change the world. With God, there is nothing that is impossible for me. I look just like my daddy. This is the Encounter Culture Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Encounter Culture Podcast. Today, I am just absolutely thrilled to have on the program with me, Dr. John T. Cahill. He's just been in town sowing word into the hearts of people here in our region. Dr. Cahill, thank you so much for being on with me. You know, it's my privilege to be here with you. I just want to serve you and help you today. Anything I can do to bless you. That's what I'm about. All right. Well, I know that you've had many, many revelations on relationship, and that's really what we're talking about today. I've heard you talk about the ships and and how relationship is very integral in that whole teaching. Just share with our listeners, first of all, who you are, what you're up to, and where you see yourself going. All right. Well, I'm a traditional Pentecostal. I was born and raised that way. And of course, I spent 17 years in church, but not born again and received Christ as a 17 year old boy. And then just right after that was baptized in water and then filled with the Holy Ghost and then was called to preach, which was a big shock to me. I had no clue up until that point. It just turned in 18 years old. I was called to preach. God apprehended my life. And then he, you know, just took me on a path of ministry. So I've been ministering full time since 1980. So that's four. 42 years full-time, so I'm not a novice or a rookie. I've been around. I've been up, down, been around the world several times, and I'm very thankful for my experience, but I come from a background of old-time Pentecost, and of course, what I did was I got out into the body, and I, I began to swim in different streams. I swam in the Word of Faith stream, the In Christ stream, the Kingdom stream, some of the extremes. You know, I began to, <laughs> to just really experience the body of Christ, and I found out that the greatest need in the body of Christ was relationship, and when God began to teach me that, He took me to the cross. 
cross. The cross is vertical and horizontal. And of course, the most important relationship I have is vertical with God. And of course, getting to know the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. How important that is, is for us to know Jesus and know the Holy Spirit. And just that ongoing unfolding revelation of who God is. And he reveals himself in his son and his spirit and by his word. But then along the way, you know, the horizontal aspect of the cross, the beam of the horizontal. And God began to connect me with some people. Relationships over the years, as you do this long enough, you realize the most valuable thing you have is your relationship with God and with one another. And it's all about the unity of the body of Christ. I'm all about the unity of the body of Christ. I feel very strongly that there's one body and one Lord and one faith and one baptism, one God, Father, one spirit. And uh, that we come together in the spirit of unity. Psalms 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity. And so I'm all about the unity of the body of Christ. And I've been able to transcend denominational lines, which is very unique. I've been able to go to just about every major denomination, sit with their leaders, teach and preach in most denominations. And, you know, Baptist, Methodists have even preached some in Spirit-filled Catholic churches, places like that. So I've had uh, an amazing opportunity to get out beyond my four walls. But I had to step out beyond the four walls to find relationship. And I find along the way you're always meeting people that God will connect you to. And it's all about that connection that God does. It's what God did with Pastor Dan here at this church. God connected our hearts. And that's what's so important. Colossians 2 talks about God knit our hearts together. And of course, we know the scarlet thread of redemption in Rahab's house is what he uses to knit us together. And our hearts are being knit together. And you can't be joined to everybody. But along the way, God has joined me to some very unique people, very skilled people, godly people, uh, great men and women of God. And I've been privileged to sit with some great men and women of God. And so relationship at this stage in my life has become much more precious than anything else, especially the ones that last, the relationships that last. That's what's so precious to me. Whenever you began to get this revelation of unity in the body, and I mean, that's really the heart of the Father, is restoring relationship. How practically has He done that in your own relationships? Well, of course, I started out with the Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, and found some great people there. And then as I began to traffic, you know, every time you leave a group, uh, to go out and say, well, I'm looking for something else. They always feel offended because they feel like every group I've ever been in feels like they're it. They have it all. And, uh, of course, we all know that's not true. I've been in all the camps, and no one camp has it all. So um, you, you have some broken relationships and some hurt feelings and hard feelings, even though you were hungry and just moving on. And so along the time and along the years, I've always been able to, to, to watch God just restore things. And God is a restorative God, as you just talked about, God's relationship. That's the heart of the Father's relationship. And He's been able to restore and bring back some relationships over the years that have been very precious to me. So I've experienced that. I've experienced the pain of broken relationships, some of these things that didn't work out. I found Christians without integrity. I found um, some people I couldn't walk with, but along the way, I've been knit to those people that are so precious, and uh, God's even restored some of those relationships, so I'm very thankful for that. God's just awesome in how He works relationship. He's all about us knowing Him and knowing one another, and I am all about the body of Christ and us being one together in Christ. Uh, a lot of times we'll find people that we're walking alongside of. There's some that are givers. There's some that are takers. Yes, sir. And there are some that learn how to receive from one another. And I found in my own relationships that this is one of the greatest joys of learning how to receive from one another. We have to be able to lay down our lives for one another, give away our lives to each other without it being an investment. You know, looking for a return on our investment, but just giving ourselves away freely without expecting anything in return. Um, but whenever people want to give in to us or even just making yourself available to receive, 
have you found yourself in those positions as well? Absolutely. I found out in John three sixteen, which we all know well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then first John three sixteen, oddly enough, John three sixteen, first John three sixteen says, Hereby we perceive the love of God, and that Jesus laid down his life for us, we ought to lay our life down one for another. And I found out that every time I lay my life down, uh, to help other people or lay my life down in the gospel, that God always gives it back to me. You know, my motivation is always love, but my expectation is God, you know, giving back to me. Whatever you lay down for the kingdom, that's your expectation. Your motivation is always love. Anything we do without motivated by love is going to fail. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter talks about that very clearly. If I give my body to be burned and give, you know, all my goods to feed the poor and have not love, it profits me nothing. But when we're motivated by love and we love people and we serve people, and Paul said, esteem others better than yourself. Paul said that, uh, you know, we are to esteem others better than ourselves. We're to walk in love. We're to humble ourselves. And Paul said, I'm less than the least of all saints in Ephesians 3, 8. So I take that posture. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm less than the least of all saints. I want to be last. I, I liked it when I come in a line, like at a church and they're having fellowship dinner. I go to the back of the line. I don't want to be in the front. I like to take the back seat. I just feel more comfortable there because I feel like that's where God would have us be. So I've learned to even practice the, you know, the, the art of laying my life down in, in small ways, like going to the back of the line to watch God give it back to me and he's always multiplied it back everything I've ever given he's raised it up and multiplied it back and he's put me in some high places with prominent people that I never asked for that I never sought that I never desired and I just ended up there just some way God has a supernatural way to do that so yes I absolutely think that as we lay our life down we're motivated by love we have expectation but God will fulfill that expectation in ways we can't even imagine he just connects us to people and sometimes those relationships are beyond what we can ask or think it's amazing how God can do that it is. You, you mentioned preferring one another, and you also mentioned, uh, you quoted from Ephesians 4, uh, talking about being of one body, one spirit, one baptism. Whenever Paul addresses the Ephesians there, he's talking about how we approach that unity in peace, and that is with a gentle and humble approach. And, uh, you, you know, there's there's a lot of dogmatic ideas in the church, and like you said, going into all the different camps, and and these camps pit themselves against one another. How do we how do we disarm that tension between different doctrines? It's not the people. The people that are in those camps are very humble and very open. And it's not the people. It's mostly the leadership. Most of the time, preachers get like hell bent, for lack of a better term. They kind of get hell bent on a certain way that it has to be. And I've learned to be flexible. I've learned that you know there are some some real error that you can't fellowship with, and then there's some other people that you can fellowship with. And I've been in all the camps, so I've learned to do that. But yeah, the doctrines. Uh, you know, we just have to keep searching the scriptures because as I've gone. And as I've grown, certainly my doctrines have changed. Now, the major doctrines like, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood, the, the, the death of Christ, the resurrection, those will never, never change. My, my revelation of those has grown, but those doctrines will never change. But there's some things I used to believe that I don't believe anymore. Some things I didn't believe I do believe now. So it's up to the individual to be willing. And I found people in every one of those places I've been uh, that were open, that were honest, that were sincere. And Paul talked about from Ephesians 4 that you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. You know, I, the servant of the Lord, the prisoner of the Lord, pray that you walk worthy of the vocation. That's, you know, your job. And my calling is to be one with the body. I, I accept that as a calling. I mean, to me, that calling is very sincere and very serious. When God calls you to something, it's a big deal. And uh, he called me to this vocation, which was to, in lowliness, 
kindness, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. For there's one body and one Spirit, one hope of your calling, even as you're called, and one Lord and one faith and one baptism, one God, Father, above all, through all, and in you also. To me, that's very serious. I mean, that is very important. And when I go into place, I never search, and this has been my heart all along. I never, when I'm listening to a man, if I don't agree with him, I don't try to prove him wrong. I try to prove him right. And that's, that's always been my heart. So I, try to, I try to prove him right. I'm not out to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. We've got enough people in the church hurting one another. I don't want to do that. So if you're trying to help me with something, and I, I try to listen to you and, and try to prove you right, and if I can't, I'm still going to love you. I won't call men's names from the pulpit. I don't believe in that. Some of the doctrines I will attack, but I don't attack the men. Because if they are in Christ, then they are my brothers, even though we don't agree. And I think a lot of times, some people just come in a spirit of argument. You know, some people would rather fight than switch. Right. And, you know, I have to say, you know, I don't know everything and there's sometimes I have been proven wrong and there's some places where I went and I begin to see things in a different light and I, it totally changed me in other places I went and I saw that they were wrong and but I still loved them and tried to embrace them but we all know you can't walk with everybody but I'm all about the unity so I think that's a great challenge but it's, it mainly comes down to the preachers being willing to be open you know I want to go fellowship with him or him or her and uh, I've been across all those lines and fellowship with people of all kinds of uh, different persuasions of different thoughts and doctrines and uh, that's a tough thing but I've been able to do it. Of course, I'm well grounded in the Word. So uh, if you know you're grounded, then you know you, you don't have to be fearful. Now, some people couldn't do that because they get over there and they get swayed or they get over there and get swayed. But, but God grounded me enough in the Word to where I can stay and, and I know what the Bible says enough on the major doctrines where I'm not going to get taken out, you know. That's good. Yeah. Since you've got the call to unity, you've got that burning in your heart. What are some of the practical things you're doing back home in South Carolina to steward that? Well, you know, one of the most unique things about South Carolina, where I am and what we're doing is, um, first of all, you know, we are, uh, South Carolina is still, a, you know, there's still the rebel flag issue. There's still over the capital issue. So there has been a lot of prejudice in South Carolina and my community is black and white. And our church is reflective of that, which is a huge deal for us to be, a, you know, I've got more blacks in my church than I do white. And that's crossing lines. And I'm, I'm actually very well accepted and respected in the black community. And I cross those lines and so by doing that in that way I mean I've learned a lot about culture and you know sometimes it's hard to mix culture and church but we've been able to bring the cultures together and be able to minister to people that way and and so I've seen a unique blend of, of being in relationship with, with not just white people but black and white people and some Hispanic people in my own church in my local church and it's been a unique challenge in some ways but it's also been a great rewarding experience because we've broken down the denominational barrier in our city we've broken down the racial barrier in our city and we become an integrated church and that's exciting to me because you know I, I think as, as one old preacher says too much salt dries the blood you know what that means that means that too many white people will kill a church you know so you got you know got to get some pepper in there every once in a while so I've got some pepper and uh we got we got that salt pepper balance and we've been able to break down lines and then we started our Bible college uh, three years ago and we've been able to see several people from several different churches and several pastors from several different backgrounds come together and start training in the word of God and just say now let's just really see what the Bible says and they trusted me enough out of their respect for me for what they've known over 27 years in that community to come and to let me begin to share with them and teach them and we're really seeing a real integration of the body of Christ that way through the school we've got one two three four five 
least seven churches represented at wow. least in our in our school of 53 students right now, three years old. So, I mean, that's exciting to me, you know, because then we're being able to cross-pollinate and I'm learning things from them and they're learning from me. It's not just a one-sided experience. I'm not just a teacher. I'm learning from them. So we've been able to see relationship just really expand in the body of Christ in our city that way. It's very powerful. Tell me a little bit about the uh, philosophy behind the school. I mean, what your main objective is, your mission there. Well, what I wanted to do, uh, God gave me this revelation that he gave me years ago. and pro He actually prophesied to me and promised in 1984 I'd have a Bible college. And, of course, I know we didn't start till 2020, so that's a mighty long time coming. That was 36 long years of walking down a prophecy and trying to do it myself three times and having it slammed in my face, you know, and just shut down. So uh, God God did this this time. Right in the middle of COVID, he says, let's start a Bible college. And I said, it's not a good time. And God said, I didn't ask you what time it was. It's a good time. Let's do it. So we did it. But the philosophy was is that God commissioned me. My commission for ministry was to go and teach and tell my people to examine in depth and in detail what I've done for them, what I've given to them. And the person and work of my son. Tell them to examine until they can embrace, embrace till they experience, experience until they can express and express till they enjoy the fullness of what I am in the earth. And that's what he told me to do. That's my commission. That's one how more he time. I was fast, wasn't it? Yeah, one more time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he told me, he said, go and tell and teach my people to examine in depth and in detail what I've done for them and what I've given to them in the person and work of my son, which means Jesus and what he's done. Yeah. Christ and him crucified. What Paul said, uh, I know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. And then from there, he said, now you tell them to embrace until they can experience experience till they can enjoy and enjoy it till they can become an expression of my glory in the earth and that's that's my heart and my passion that's the word of the lord over my life that drives me so everywhere i am and everything i'm doing i'm trying to teach you and show you what jesus has done and what god's given to you in the person and work of his son so that you can embrace it experience it enjoy it and then express it because we need to be an expression in the earth realm and so that's what motivated the school and it's really been it's been an amazing journey in three years so far we've really enjoyed a lot of success for beginning school. I'm writing most of the curriculum, uh, almost all of it, and uh, teaching the teachers that are now teaching. I've got four teachers that are now teaching with me. And um, black and white teachers, male and female teachers. So I've experienced the gamut of relationships in that regard. And then watching the seven churches come together and other churches wanting to come and a couple of churches from other cities wanting to come and be part of my school. And I'm just seeing a lot of these walls that we've all built up. And you know, man has made the walls. God didn't make, there are no walls with God. He broke right. them all down. The middle wall of partition has been broken down by the blood of Jesus, but man made these walls. And I'm watching God just kind of break them down one by one by just, and, and the most important thing I tell everybody at school and at church, you know, we celebrate you, and the most important thing is that you know you're loved here. And love, of course, as we all know, God is love. It's the foundation of everything in the kingdom. And when you walk in love, you just can't keep arguing and fussing and fighting. You've got That's to right. you got to lay all that stuff down. I'm all about walking in love because God is love. Amen. I, mean, I don't embrace everything they believe, but I do right. embrace everybody. Absolutely. And you say you've overcome uh, different uh, denominational barriers and racial barriers and cultural barriers, man-made cultures, like you're talking about, calling them up higher to a spiritual culture, a right. kingdom culture. Yes. You're doing most of the curriculum there a lot of that is is based in revelation that you've had that uh, you teach on quite often and I know we have just a few minutes to to finish up we we'd started this and I love hearing all about what you're doing there and I, this is really what I wanted to hear is, is your heart and and how you're stewarding this practically but I do want to hear about the ships can you tell us a little bit about that well um, you know God began to teach me that Christianity circle of covenant started in a man 
And the man has a message. It's who the man is and what he did. And that's what Jesus accomplished in redemption. But the message had to be stewarded by a method. And the method would produce the maturity and the maturity would produce the manifestation that would produce the ministry that would produce the mercy that would produce the majesty that would take us back to the man. It's a circle of covenant. It's very powerful. But, you know, a lot of times people have the message, but they don't understand the method. And so I tell people I'm a Methodist and they think about a denomination, but God is a Methodist. And so God began to teach me about these seven ships. It was relationship, lordship, worship discipleship, fellowship, stewardship, and leadership. These seven ships. And it's in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. It says the same day when even was coming. When God began to teach me this, you know, we're in the day of the Lord. We know that we're in the day the Lord has made. We're in this new covenant. That's the day he talks about. It's even time. And even speaks of transition. You know, one, one day's closing, another's beginning. He said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they sent the multitude away, they took him as he was in the ship. And he said, you've got to take me in the ship. And I never heard that before. And of course, he was talking about relationships ship. And then he said there were also with him other ships. And he said, I want to teach you about relationship in these other ships. So he began to teach me this, that uh, relationship is always God's purpose. He's always about relationship, period. I mean, that's what, what God is after is your heart. What God is after is relationship, period. That's always what God's after. And when he brings you into relationship, in order to facilitate that, that in your life, he brings you under Jesus' lordship, which shows you the preeminence of his son. He's always about putting Jesus first. Jesus will always be the head, we're the body. He's always Lord. You know, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. You know, he's He's the husband, we're the wife. He's the vine, we're the branch. Every picture, every illustration will show you Jesus is preeminent and lordship is his preeminence. And then number three was worship was his passion because the father seeks such to worship him. And God said to me, now, if I'm looking for it, it must not be that easy to find. So I was like, wow, that's heavy. You know, if you're looking for it, because God's got good eyes, he don't miss much. And he said, I'm seeking for true worship. He said, so like in your church on Sunday morning, you know, I'm not looking at whether you're dancing or waving the banners or whether you're playing or beating the drums or shouting. I'm looking at your heart. That's good. Because Jesus said, look, this people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said, you can go through all the mechanics of worship. I'm looking at your heart. So passion. God wants us to have a passionate worship from our heart. Worship is God's passion. He seeketh such. I mean, he's not looking for preachers. He's looking for worshipers. He's not looking for, for talented teachers or apostles or prophets. He's seeking worshipers. So God said, I want you to be a worshiper. So I set my heart with that. I want to get in that ship of worship and I want to be a worshiper. If I don't get anything else done, I want to worship Jesus. You know, his praise should be continually in my mouth. I tell people all the time, man, I'm just behind on my praise. I need to get after it. I need to praise him more than I do. I need to praise him more. So that's worship. Discipleship is your patience in the word. He taught me, you know, if you continue in my word, you should be my disciples indeed. And of of course, most people that know me know I'm a very diligent student of the Word. I love the Word of God. And uh, so you have to be patient because it takes a long time to learn the Bible. The Bible is line upon line, precept upon precept, thought upon thought. And you, you learn here and then you learn there and there. And then God connects those three and then He shows you here and there. And so discipleship is what you do with the Word. It's continually, patiently being in the Word because I've been in the Word now studying it regularly since 1979 and pretty much on a daily basis. And I know very little. I mean, I'll tell you front the book is far beyond where I am so it takes patience and then the next ship was fellowship and God told me he said fellowship is my people and you've got to learn to walk with my people because the way you know God there's three ways we all know God and there's no other way to know him you know him through the word you know him by the Holy Spirit and then you know him and his people you see, like in Pastor Dan, we would see Pastor Dan as the, uh, you know, Christ the pastor. 
you know, we'd see him. And in other people, like in you, when I see you lead worship, it's Christ the worshiper. I see Christ the worshiper. That's another revelation of who Jesus is. And in me, you'll hear Christ the apostolic voice of laying foundation and government. And so Christ the deacon, some of these men that served here this weekend at our church here this week, um, you see Christ the servant. You see Christ the lover, Christ the giver. You can just, just see Christ the joy. And uh, that's fellowship because what you need is housed in somebody. You know, what do you have in your house? And, and the treasure is in the earthen vessels. And when I look at people, um, fellowship is so important. That's why we don't need to break fellowship, because in the book of Proverbs 30, the Bible talks about the locusts. And he says, this is exceeding wise. And the locusts go forth by bands, but they have no king. That means you never hear a farmer say, oh, no, here comes one locust. You never hear that. The, the locusts come and swarm. And the church has got to learn we have a king. His name is Jesus. And we stay together in bands. And so that's our wisdom. So people are, are you know, are the, are the key element of walking with God. You cannot walk with God by yourself and fulfill your destiny. You've got to have people with you. Right. And we walk with people. It's not a lone journey. Sometimes we walk it by ourselves, but it's not a lone journey. So fellowship is his people and then stewardship is learning his priority mm -hmm. and you've got to set your life in, in alignment with his priority and God told me he said you take your time your talent your treasure your temple the truth I show you your trust and then uh, he says your testimony and line those seven things up and keep them in priority and not necessarily in that order. Line your time, your talent, your treasure, you know, your temple, your body, line your, and be a steward of that. And then the truth I show you, uh, you know, the treasures that I give you, whatever I give you, and, you know, the steward of anything I give you. And then, of course, he said, now you go ahead in your testimony. Line that up and keep it in priority and steward it. You know, I steward my testimony. That's why wherever I go, I've been healed of a pancreatitis and my pancreas being destroyed. And, and I tell people that everywhere I go. I tell doctors, I don't care who it is, I tell them, what God did for my pain. I steward my testimony. I steward truth. I steward my time, my talent, my treasures, my testimony, my truth, um, and my trust. Anything God trusted me with, He's trusted me with a wife. I've got grandchildren. I've got uh, a church. I've got a school. Those are my trusts. So that that's the priority of God. And leadership was God's provision. And God told me, He said, I gave my people leaders because I want them to go somewhere. The reason you have a leader is because you're going somewhere. And he told me you can't follow a parked car. No, you can't go anywhere following a parked car. So I have to follow leaders. And leadership was his provision. We're led by the Holy Spirit. We're led by the hand of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We're led by the heart. And we're led in the house of God. So just an awesome thing. So so that's the revelation God's given me about the ships. That's the method. That's not the message. It's the method. Right. But if you violate one or more of those ships, what did Paul say? You make shipwreck of the faith. And yeah. I see a lot of people in the ditch on either side. They've made shipwreck of the faith. So we want to make sure we stay in the ships and that's the way we navigate the fallen waters of broken humanity is by those ships wow that's i'm telling you this is this is about 12 podcasts <laughs> all in one <laughs> as quickly as you speak and and such uh such wisdom well, they tell you, me i'm full of it they tell me i'm full of it i'm full of it praise <laughs> god dr cahill it's just such a pleasure to sit with you this is one that you're going to have to go back and listen to over and over and over again just to get all the jewels and all the treasure out of it because it's just full of it so yes, yes you are full of it full of treasure full of treasure yes. full of truth but thank yes. you so much for having me honored to be here I do appreciate to be with you. you thank you well definitely have you on again next time you're in town yes sir we'll do it god All bless right. you thank you such a blessing to sit down with bishop cahill and listen to his heart on relationship i know that my takeaway has been huge on this episode i hope it has for you as well next week i'm going to be sitting down with none other than chris jones he's going to be talking about relationships within the family relationships within the church and uh, share his heart about oneness it's going to be amazing you don't want to miss it next time on the encounter culture podcast we'll see you then